Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your hey, Andrew. Hey there, Edwin. I am super excited as we continue our discussion of Psalm 25. Something new happens. Yes. In Psalm 25. I want to talk about that today. Okay, well, I'm looking at Psalm 25 in the New King James Version of the Bible. You want to read it for me? Absolutely. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me, for your goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn yourself to me, and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look on my affliction and my pain, and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many and they hate me with cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all their troubles. The first thing that comes to my mind as I'm hearing you read from the New King James is a difference that we find in verse 14. Mm. So in the English Standard Version, it says friendship. Friendship. Yeah, Whereas I saw that. with the New King James, it's the secret of the Lord. Here's what's going on there. Secret counsel, right? Secret counsel. And so what you have is this idea that the this intimacy, this intimate mm-hmm. relationship, that the secret of the Lord, that what he holds as secret and intimate, he shares with this one who fears him. And so the ESV and some other translations are demonstrating what is meant by that. It's not that that we have secret gnosis. It's not that we have some type of special knowledge that is reserved for a few sundry people who get to make it to the 33rd level of Christianity or anything (laughs) like that. No, no. It's the idea that those who fear him are brought into his intimate relationship, his secret counsel, his friendship. And so I I just thought that was an interesting thing to bring up. So I appreciate you pointing that out because that was one of the things I made a note upon. First, I was studying in the ESV and then than the New King James. And when you read friendship paired there with 
covenant. He will show them his covenant in verse 14. I thought of Abraham. Absolutely. There's the one who is called the friend of God and the one whom the Lord made his covenant, made his promises. And there in James, where that is brought to bear, where James highlights the fact that Abraham has been called the friend of God, he contrasts that with being a friend of the world. Yes. And so we really see that played out in this psalm. He's David is saying, I am your friend. I am not the friend of the world. You've got these people over here who deal treacherously, but you are faithful and I am striving to be faithful to you. But, but notice I use that word striving there. Because, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, in that light, I began to read the psalm and to think about Abraham. And my, what an example of one who lifted up his soul to the Lord, trusted in him. You know, Hebrews 11 went out, not even know where he was going. And he was not ashamed. I mean, he is just such a, a great example. This psalm could be about his life, which, which kind of calls back to a point you made as we were you know, running out of time yesterday, the way this poetry is written and inspired and it's powerful from God, but it really can speak to a variety of situations and people and sometimes beyond even what we first expect. I think that's one of the big reasons the Psalms are generic. Mm-hmm. Rather, So again, sometimes we have the headings, mm-hmm. but throughout the psalm itself, you'd have a really hard time actually putting it somewhere. We have to really try to work through and look at some of the language and decide where does this fit in the author's life. And, and sometimes we can make some really good educated guesses, but we still have to admit that's what they are. They're just educated guesses because like we read Hannah's psalm, yeah. if you just read that, you would I would never place that. I've just had a baby. I, my husband's other wife has no, been I mean know. to me, I, and so this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> so again, we, we take some care with that. But the reason for it is so that we can all use these psalms in our worship, in our prayer, in our meditation, in our praise, in our confession, in our intercession. It's a wonderful benefit. So talking about our confession, one of the things we talked about yesterday, too, was how this psalm kind of goes back from first person talking to God to then talking about God and meditating upon him. But one of the things that comes through certainly is, I have sinned, I am a sinner. That is exactly what I was referring to earlier when I said something new happens in this psalm. Okay. Because this is the first time in the psalms where the author of the psalm explicitly states a reference to his own sinfulness. Mm -hmm. There are some implications. So, for instance, in Psalm 6 and verse 1, the psalm begins, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. That implies, I think, some sinfulness. We might even see it implied in Psalm 23 and verse 3, he restores my soul or renews my life, which that might imply the idea that, especially in the context of the sheep, I've messed up and I've gotten myself in trouble, but he's the one that restores me. But Psalm 25 is the first place where there is an explicit statement of, I am a sinner. Well, I was just going to say along those lines, you have in Psalm 19 uh, a a request for cleansing and protection. Uh, So like in Psalm 19 in verse 12, who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. The New King James uh, supplies there. Let them not have dominion over me. So there's an awareness of sin 
and its danger, and he's seeking protection from that in the Lord. Yeah, and in Psalm 19, it's it's still left up with this, protect me from this, whereas yeah. in Psalm 25, it's, I've done it. Mm-hmm. I've I'm messed falling. it up. I've messed it up. So again, Psalm 19 gives us a little bit of that, a closer implication. He admits the possibility and the need for protection. In Psalm 25, it is, this is what I have done. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions in verse 7. In verse 18, consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Mm -hmm. And so there's the recognition that it's not just something that I could do. It's not just something that people do. It's something I have done which I think ties back into what we were bringing up yesterday, the connection mm-hmm. with Psalm 24. To me, as I'm reading Psalm 25, it is it is almost as if the psalmist is presenting the anticipated objection to Psalm 24. About being able to ascend on the holy hill. Absolutely. Remember, what in Psalm 24, what were the qualifications? Mm-hmm. Well, we pointed out yesterday that they never lifted up their soul to an idol or to something okay, false. Okay, so I've never followed idolatry. Mm-hmm. What was, But right before that, I had the, the one who goes up the hill. Clean hands and a pure heart. I'm reading Psalm 24, verse 4. Yeah, clean hands and a pure heart. And so I've just read that if I'm going to ascend to the holy hill, I have to have clean hands and a pure heart, but I know something about myself. Hmm. You know you don't. I'm a sinner. (laughs) And so we've got this psalm that says, Lord, I lift up my soul to you. I trust in you. I fear you. I don't lift my soul up to false things, but I'm a little concerned right now because I know as much as I want my hands to be clean and my heart to be pure, I've blown it. My hands have been befouled. My heart has been defiled. What do I do now? And sin is not something that we like to acknowledge in ourselves. Sin is not something that we like to contemplate and think along to, you know, too much because we start to feel guilty. We start to feel haunted by it. And certainly as we meditate upon our situation with our sinfulness and our failures in comparisons to God holiness, we realize we have no place on his hill. And so it's very humbling. It, it is very. I'm so glad you said humbling because I think that's important. Notice what it says in verses eight through 10. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. So he's willing to teach sinners. He leads the <laughs> humble in what is right and teaches the humble mm. his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Mm -hmm. And so you brought up the idea of how humbling it is to remember my sinfulness. And here the psalmist himself says, I'm a sinner, but I serve a good and upright Lord who actually teaches sinners the way Mm -hmm. if they're humble. If they're humble. For those who are humble, who will submit and surrender and even admit I am a sinner. Makes me think about the Apostle Peter when the Lord calls him in Luke chapter 5. Expound. Yeah. So in Luke chapter 5, the Lord goes out on the boat with the fishermen. In Luke 5 and verse 4, he says, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. 
And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Mm. Here he is amazed at the power of Christ. And in this simple act of faith to obey the Lord, uh, there's this catch of fish. And now he realizes, I'm a sinful man. I can have nothing to do with you. You are too great and you are too holy. And the Lord tells him, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And I guess what I see here is that the sinner, the humble sinner, is the man that the Lord can do something with, the man that the Lord can use. And in truth, he has to use a sinful man. There's no other man for him to use. Other than Jesus. You're absolutely (laughs) right. That's exactly right. And so here's the amazing thing. I don't know the way up the holy hill because my hands have been defiled. Mm -hmm. My heart has been corrupted. Mm -hmm. But when I humble myself before the Lord... He is willing to teach me the way, yes, the path. And I, I get that here you and I, Andrew, have been raised on 2,000 years of the love of Jesus Christ. And so for us to hear about the mercy of God is not shocking. It is the norm. Yeah. And so for us to read in Psalm 25 about the mercy of God, Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't surprise because we expect the Lord to be merciful, to be loving, to be forgiving. But, you know, if we were to walk through the Psalms up to this point without Jesus Christ in our background, mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually pretty bleak for someone like me. I would almost expect God to be exacting and demanding and unsparing. Well, yes. I mean, I'm I'm just, even as you make that point, I'm kind of rolling back in my mind some of the things we've read in the Psalms, and there is the most stringent, you know, curse and judgment upon the wicked and any that oppose God, that when you realize, oh, wait, I am that man because I have sinned, it's terrifying. It's the terror of the Lord. And it's probably hard for us to think about it because even as we've walked through those Psalms, you and I in our conversation are bringing up Jesus all the time and what we already know about the sinfulness of the psalmist. But so many of the Psalms up to this point have been declarations of innocence. There there have been a few implications, some getting a little bit closer than others, but for the most part, it's, hey, I'm innocent. It, I'm innocent. I'm righteous. Yeah, it draws the line between God's man who, who doesn't see himself as the wicked. And so now we've had two Psalms that have talked about how do we get up the hill and both of them pretty much say, hey, you, you serve the Lord correctly. Mm -hmm. You treat others correctly and you'll be up on top of that holy hill. Psalm 25 finally gets us to where we all know we are, where we know the Psalmist has been the whole time. Okay, but wait a minute. I'm a sinner. And here's the great news. I've been sinning from my youth. (laughs) My God is a merciful God. Mm, praise God. And it's it's just a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing. Our God is merciful. He is loving. He is faithful. He is true. And because of that, when Peter says to Jesus, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, Jesus says, no, no, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. You're, you're going to be my instrument. My t- I'm going to show you the way. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. We're so glad that you've been listening in on our conversations. We hope that this is benefiting you. We'd love to hear what you're learning from the Psalms or whatever you're reading. You can email us at texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Let's wrap up with a prayer. 
Holy God, we are sinners. Be merciful to us. You are the merciful and gracious God, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. And we praise you. Through your son, Jesus, whose death provides that forgiveness, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.